Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Grace, and along with my co-host and all-around partner in crime, Jack Humphrey, we are the founders of TheLeveragist.com and Divisio.com, and we have a fantastic guest lined up for you guys today. Jack, how are you today? Great. I'm super pumped. We have a, we're going on a little bit of a tear with these sales gurus, these sales trainers, and I'm super excited to talk to Eric Laughlin today, who has taught his proven sales system to thousands of professionals around the world. He's president and CEO of Eric Laughlin International, an organization he founded to train people in the art and science of selling. Eric began his career as a sales failure. Uh, actually, at the at his first sales job, he was put on quota uh, probation after failing to meet minimum quota for two months in a row. It was at this point that Eric met his sales mentor. After being professionally trained, Eric achieved his quota and eventually became the top producer at that company, and not only that company, but two other companies uh, prior to starting Eric Lopelman International. For over 14 years, Eric has been sharing proven sales increasing ideas with people all over the world. He believes that selling equals service. We do too. He also believes uh, in working toward the mastery of fundamentals of lead generation, appointment setting, and delivering a high-quality presentation. Eric, welcome to Leverage Masters. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So there's some background there. I'm sure there's an awful lot more uh, to your story, but we like to get right down to what's burning in your belly today, what's getting you out of bed in the morning these days. You know, one of the things that um, I'm really excited about is it's a personal sprint. And uh, I'm playing a game, and the game is to create the most extraordinary life possible between now and the end of the year. So there's 160 days left, 2018, and so I have a group of people that I'm sprinting with and pursuing different personal goals and uh, business goals. And so that's, that's something I'm personally excited about right now. Awesome. Well, you're going to have to explain that a little bit more. What uh, I kind of get the gist of that, but give us a little bit more detail on, on what this is like. It's, I mean, it sounds like a pretty big challenge, and what are you guys doing to uh, keep everything together over? It sounds like a sprint, but also probably in the middle of it could sound like it's a really long thing if you're really pushing yourselves, right? Yeah, if you, if you think about what motivates us, um, you know, we all know the personal development concept of what is your why? Well, what mm-hmm. if you've been wanting to go to the gym and you're not doing it? Or you've been wanting to prospect and maybe you don't have a big financial need to make more money, but you, you still want to prospect. How do you actually get yourself to do it? And I discovered that you can kind of like trick your brain into a why uh, if you make it a sprint. And so uh, you make it a game. And so one of my prospecting games to grow my business is 25 prospecting outreaches uh, four times a week. So 100 times, 100 prospecting outreaches uh, per week. And my commitment 
is to do that between now and the end of the year. And so I basically have made up this reason to run. And uh, I've enrolled a group of people to do it with me and how we hold it all together. Part of it is on Facebook, and we do group calls. And so we're all just having fun, going after our goals. And I finally got myself to do my fitness uh, workouts that I've been telling myself I'm going to do but haven't been doing it and doing a lot more prospecting. And so that's just a, a couple of examples of some of the things we're doing. That's really interesting, actually, because uh, about 10 years ago on a different podcast, I interviewed Randy Gage, who's a big marketing coach, consultant uh, guy, and uh, several books and all that kind of stuff. So he kind of knows what he's talking about. And and, uh, I asked him, he was telling about his his story, and his story matched so much, sort of like, you know, you started out uh, as a sales failure, and he started out – he starts his story out pretty close to his bankruptcy and reaching the bottom and all of these things. A lot of people tell these kinds of stories to show the distance that they've traveled and show what they've overcome and everything. And I asked him on the interview, uh, do you think it, do you think people who are comfortable um, have a better or worse chance than people who have say filed for bankruptcy or come from some really hard place uh, to, to goose them or to uh, not trick their brain, but make their brain light up for a reason. You're in the dumps. You're not selling your whatever. And at the time, he agreed that some sort of personal turmoil was required for most people to do something big, to, to, to achieve something, because that was his personal experience. And he had watched so many thousands of come and go in sales, their own businesses, things like that. And people who were too comfortable – never figured out a way to trick their brain like you're talking about. So it's really exciting to hear you say that, and it would be great to to hear more about, you know, how that actually works because you don't want to have to claim bankruptcy or something if you don't have to, if there really is truly a way to trick your brain by doing this sprint technique. Well, one one interesting thing is that if you said to yourself, for example, I'm going to, you know, go to the gym every other day for the rest of my life, well, it's kind of an overwhelming thought. But if yeah. you say, you know, I'm going to work out three times a week between now and the end of the year, and that's my commitment, it's not so overwhelming. It's like uh, my mentor, Dr. Boyne, says anybody can do anything for a short period of time. And so that's how I got myself to stop biting my fingernails. I've been biting my fingernails for over 40 years, and I decided, okay, I'm going to play a game. For the fourth quarter of 2017, so last October, November, December, I said, okay, I'm not going to bite my fingernails for the rest of the year. And it, like, my brain was like, you know, I, I could do that. It's only 90 days. And I, I don't bite them anymore. Yeah. But if I said I'm not going to bite them ever again, which I had done many times and never followed through. So when we have these shorter-term goals instead of like this lifetime of change, I think it's just easier for us to wrap our head around it. And um, and so, uh, I don't know, I, I found it to be very effective for me and I have some really uh, great clients that are sprinting with me and they're getting some great results as well. Do you feel like you can overlay that life stuff, kind of put it in a different category when you're doing a sprint, like you call it, uh, you know, short-term goal, um, medium-term goal, you can put that in the forefront. At least this is the way I feel about it. This is how I've been successful with it accidentally without calling it anything. I didn't know what I was doing, but I kind of gotten into a groove with 
uh, weight loss and, and my uh, workouts and everything, and I've got a short timeline for that, about three, four months. And then I can, and then the pressure for that lifelong thing kind of goes on a different burner, not the back burner, but not a serious burner, so that I don't have that, oh, yeah, whatever kind of feeling toward it. So I can I can look at the longer term from the viewpoint of this short sprint that I'm on, and I'm more relaxed about that. And I don't blow things off as easily uh, as I would if I was just going, on, for now, for the rest of my life, I'm going to do this kind of workout and all of that stuff. Because, of course, almost everybody has tried that, I'm sure, and uh, is looking for something different. makes it easier to think about both of them, the sprint part and not just the lifelong uh, learning or fitness or whatever it might be. Yeah, and here, here's another perspective. So, you know, we've been talking about this, this sprint idea, which is like a short-term thing. But I think there's another concept here, which is to gamify your life. So I mm. um, have done some business with uh, the great legendary sales trainer, Tom Hopkins. And Tom played a game in his career. And the game was he wanted to deliver 5,000 sales seminars. And so I did a webinar with him uh, towards the, you know, he's in his mid-70s now, so he's probably likely towards the end of his career. And um, he was, you know, in the 4,000s. Well, that was, he gamified his career. You know, for me, when I launched my company at age 28, 1999, nobody had heard of me. And the game I've been playing is I wanted to become the Zig Ziglar of my generation, the most recognizable sales trainer in the world. And so, that's a game I've been playing that's been motivating me to get up and get after it every day, and I'm in my 20th year now. So it can be, you know, a short-term game. It could be career-long games. I've got a client who's chasing a million bucks, and he's at about 400000 He's, I don't know, 15 years in, and he saves his, all his extra money, and he, goes in and he wants to get it to a million. So if you gamify it, it's an interesting proven strategy uh, to motivate you to take more action. Yeah, it is kind of strange that we even talk about gamifying uh, in a sense because after a certain point, maybe you have to go through a certain amount of life and, um, you know, uh, get reflective and really, uh, like I have, I've done a lot of meditation in the last few years. I've really gotten into looking in and all of that. And when you look back out from a, a certain perspective after you've achieved a little bit of insight, you start seeing that everything has always and is a game. Everything around us is a game. Like everybody's playing a role. Everybody yeah. is, you know, if you look through a magazine, you can't do that. After a certain point, you can't look at a magazine anymore. You're like, this is a complete sales brochure with little tiny pieces of bait called articles, which are very, very thin in content and just to, you know, you know, put something on the cover. And everybody's playing a game. Everything is a game. And, uh, and it, yeah. that's when I started thinking. When somebody said gamification, I'm like, wait, that, that, that means that most people think that not all of this is a game. They think that in addition to this, you can play a game over the top of it, which you can, but they don't think that life is already a game. Like, that's just yeah. a real weird, trippy thought to me. And I hear that now every time I hear gamification. But the, uh, on the other side, when I do that, it works. It's like it just lifts the pressure off of me. Uh, that I'd be placing on myself from, you know, living too much real life, in quotes, <laughs> which is kind of well, a game think anyway, about right? Well, they want to retire. You know, some industries are like that, like a, a teacher. I, 
talked to a teacher the other day, and she's like, I got five years left. And I said, what do you mean? Well, five years, and I get to retirement, and I get these extra benefits. Cool. So she's playing a game. And her game is, I want to be a teacher for this amount of time and five more years, and I get, you know, this certain benefit. And so she has it in her mind, and she's got the goal set. So it's not like she's going to go quit being a teacher tomorrow because she's, you know, closing in on this, uh, you know, retirement benefits. Think about a college degree. Now, I went to college and never graduated. Part of it because I never had the goal to graduate. But if somebody graduated in four years, what is it? It's a game to graduate in four years. And how do I play? I got to take these certain classes and get the certain grades, and then I get to graduate. In their mind, they linked it up that that's, that's a big deal. And so it is interesting to hold the metaphor life's a game and, and uh, you know, to play. And for those of us that love achievement, it is a way to achieve more. Jack, are you still there? I'm still here. I, I think we lost Jack. I hear you. I'm not sure why we're not hearing Jack. Let's see if we can find him in our technical issues. Oh, he got dropped. Well, I will watch for him to call back in. So for people that haven't been looking at it from this perspective, what advice do you have for them? Well, it's just something to uh, something to consider as you pursue your goals. It, it could be tied to a time frame like my sprint is tied to the calendar you know, what I want to accomplish by the end of the year, but it could be tied to a career goal. It could be a, a weight loss goal. It could be something you want to accomplish with your family. It could be a financial goal like you know, maxing out the money you put in your 401k or your IRA, and, uh, and you just get really clear. So it's kind of like goal setting with a deadline, which is the time frame of the game, and going out and pursuing your goals. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, we're going to about goal setting, but goal setting really does work if you're, if you're focused on it and you have a true deadline. You know, that's my experience, that, that you can increase your results in just about anything and just, just make it really fun. Yeah. I like, goal, I like uh, gamification better than goal setting. I've always had some sort of um, – a resistance that immediately pops up when I hear the phrase goal setting. I've just had an allergic reaction to it all my life, I guess. And what saved me is uh, terms like gamification, making things into games. And I, I've always naturally done that to get through uh, something that I would otherwise have a very hard time doing. And uh, I think a lot of people feel like that in some sense. You know, some some people like my wife are type A's and they love goal setting. They love the term and they love doing it and it's all spreadsheets and everything else. And of course, I'm a type B and I'm nowhere near the ballpark in that uh, in that regard. But uh, it, it, you know, how do different people in your experience that you work with um, do this? Like, so people draw a picture for the different types of people that are listening to the show right now, you know, they're out there and you've worked with them all, you know, draw a picture for how this might work for each type personality type that's out there. Well, I, I think the thing to think about is, is this um, achievements, a learned skill, peak performance is a learned skill. And so if there's areas in your life where you're not getting the results that you want, you know, just to be really open that there are ideas that can help you to be more productive. As far as a sprint's concerned, and you don't need to join a, a group like mine to sprint. You can sprint on your own. Uh, pick a time frame. 
Maybe it's a, a one-week sprint. It could be a, a 30-day. It could be on the quarters. I I'm really resonate with the quarters, uh, first quarter, second one, third quarter, fourth quarter, in this case, you know, sprint to the end of the year. So you pick your time frame, and then you make a list of all the goals that you want to accomplish, and then the game is to accomplish as much as you can between now and the end of the sprint, and I make one distinction with the goals you choose to pursue, and that's like regular goals and then deliverables. And a deliverable is defined as once it's done, it's done. So your podcast has the name uh, Leverage. And so deliverables are really special because if I write a book and I publish the book, then I get the leverage from the book. There's all different kinds of ways to leverage it. And so deliverables are like really, really special goals because of the leverage that they create. And so you can look at, all right, what are the deliverables I want to create? What's your goals? And then what are the goals I want to create? And then you gamify it and you go out and you create the best results you can. If you do it with a buddy, you have accountability. If you do it with a coach, they can perhaps train you on some peak performance ideas. And and then you go through your, your sprint, and then at the end of the sprint, you have whatever results you get. Yeah. I like that. I've even, uh, I just turned 50 this year, so I call myself a level 50 now. I, I've been doing a lot of this stuff. <laughs> and it doesn't hurt that I have a 12-year-old kid that plays Fortnite and all kinds of other games constantly. So I'm in the gaming mode a lot. And I, I have a lot of help with that with my surroundings. but uh, And the, my natural proclivity to, to doing it. But, yeah. I, and it just takes the personal. So, also, here's another thing with sales. And I know you have a lot of insight on this. If you've ever worked with a person like we, me, and I'm sure you have, you realize that uh, people like me take things very, very personally. Like we have a hard time doing sales because of the fear of rejection, the um, fear of judgment, um, failure, all those kinds of things. And we're, I, I would say that I would t- uh, put us up for nomination for being the hardest people to get into sales in any sort of traditional Zig Ziglar kind of way because we're just too – we just we we sabotage ourselves so much before we ever get to the point where we might fail in a regard that we're sensitive to. How do you um, <laughs> and the gamifying has actually really helped with that for me. But how do you work yeah. with people like that? You can you can see them coming a mile away. I know. Yeah. Well, this is um, it's the thing for so many salespeople that moves the needle. If they could just get themselves to do more prospecting outreach, they could bring so much more results, sales, and success into their life. But so many of them struggle with it because of the meaning they attach to it, like what you described. If I reach out to somebody and they say no, then they reject me. And I don't want to be rejected. So I'm not going to reach out in the first place. I mean, I remember in high school, I just didn't really fit in with the kids in high school. And so – I would rarely go to a party because then I don't have to deal with not fitting in with the crowd. So I wouldn't even participate. Well, this is what salespeople do. They don't participate. And so what I teach people is we switch it up. So if I put you in Vegas at the MGM hotel and they have like 5,000 rooms and they're going to play a game and the game is find the $100,000 and there's $100,000 cash in a briefcase and it's in one of the rooms. And it's just sitting out on the bed there. It's not hidden anywhere. And I give you a master key. We've emptied out the hotel. Nobody's there. And you have this master key, and you can go into each room, and just it's not in there, it's not in there, it's not in there. Well, how many rooms would you go to before you quit 
in the pursuit of finding this hundred thousand dollars that if you found it, your reward is you got to keep it. So when would you quit looking? Never. You never would. Right? <laughs> you would you would go until you find it. Well, this is what happens with salespeople. Is they they look at it as rejection and the rhythm of prospecting is no, 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 yes. Meaning I reach out to the first person, they say no. Reach out to the next person, they say no. And then eventually I get I get the yes. No's are no big deal. And then I gamify it. My game is to reach out to twenty five people to grow my business each day. I do most of my prospecting electronically, meaning I reach out to people with text, email, direct message on social media. And this is the exact way that I found my wife. So I was, I was married for over 20 years. The marriage didn't work out. And all of a sudden, I was a single dad with two young kids. And I never envisioned myself being a single dad. So it's like, all right, in my mind, I'm married again, but I don't have a wife, so I need to find a wife. I said, okay. And you go out with somebody, and we have a good time. We'll go out again, and then that'll go on for a while, and then maybe it doesn't work out. And I didn't think, okay, well, there's no hope for me. And I just, you know, asked somebody out again. And then if there was something there, we'd continue to go out, and then this went on for a while. It didn't work out. And then ultimately, that's how I met my wife because I understood the process. And this mirrors our business world process, and if, if anybody's listening right now, if you get what I'm telling you, you can like own the world for whatever your goals are, because you can now fearlessly, boldly prospect anybody and, and truly go after what it is that you want. Yeah. Yeah, I, there's also a role, when you were talking about the pattern, no, 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 yes. When you get to the yes, there's something about, and I've seen it. I've seen you write about it before about the momentum that starts. Like failure has a momentum. I think I'm I'm super paraphrasing, and also success has a momentum to it. That's and right. the no nos they're really hard. And if you quit, you never get to that yes. But when you get to the yes, I've noticed that my whole attitude in the no period just changes completely. Like this. This is not going well. There's that little voice. It's not going well. I, I suck at this. I'm not good at it. I'm, I, I can't stand the rejection, but I'm going to pick up the phone or I'm going to do whatever I'm doing for prospecting one more time. And you get that yes, and all of a sudden a cape forms on my back. And I'm, I've got yeah. my hands on my hips. I'm standing on top of a tall building, and I'm like, this is so easy. This is so awesome. And then the pattern changes. To like a, a yes, yes, no, no, yes. I mean, there's a lot more yeses in there, and it, that's right. Because my whole attitude can change with one yes. My whole feeling of being a sales superhero can come on in a rush with one good yes after a slurry of no's. Sure, because if you had a goal of reaching out to 25 people today, and let's say you accomplish that goal, but let's say you didn't get the yes to put the wind in your sails. The X factor is when you reached out to the 25th per, person, you get the win in yourself then. Because you're like, I did it. I didn't want it, but I did it. So now you've got, you win no matter what, is really what I'm saying. And, uh, and you're yeah. right. You, there is a, a momentum to success, and it does give you that, that Superman cape, if you will, uh, to give you even more confidence to go after your goal. And, and then there's a weird uh, phenomenon of the sales can have the wind taken out of them very quickly, too. You have to be very mindful, in my experience, to 
how you're feeling, how you're talking to yourself as things are happening. Like, I always just let whatever, I just let that be chaos for years. And so I went through this, you know, shredding experience of um, having this little voice in the back of my head have total control over how I felt about every single thing, whether it was a yes or a no. And whether the business was going up or was just too stagnant or it was even going down, I wasn't in control of and I wasn't monitoring how I was thinking about and treating each one of those situations. I was letting that little voice run rampant. And, man, that was a hard lesson one because <laughs> once I got on the other side of that and I was a constantly standing porter <laughs> at the gate of my thoughts, I changed a lot. I was able to overcome an awful lot of that defeating self-talk, and that was a huge help to me. And I don't know if a lot of people to this day really know how much of that little voice in their head they let have too much power. Well, if you if you look at why do we do what we've done? So you have all the things you're going to do today. I've got the things I'm going to do. All the listeners are going to do all these different things. So it's like, well, why do we go to that certain radio station? Because that's the one we always listen to. Why do we go to that certain social media platform? When there's you know, 10 platforms, and why do we go to Facebook? Or why do we go to Instagram? Because that's the one we always went to. Why do we go to that restaurant? Why do we have our hair cut the way it's cut? Because that's the way we've always done it. Well, we have certain thoughts, and a lot of those thoughts got formed when you were Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and maybe you had a dad that was like Tony Robbins Jr. and he was totally encouraging you, and but maybe you had a dad that told you you're an idiot or you were a loser, you'll never not be anything, and so that became the pattern, and you're not even consciously aware that that's the pattern. So now it's like, like you said, chaos, all these thoughts in your head, and you don't even realize, oh, that's just a pattern that happened when I was a kid, and then you have this awakening and go, oh, I can change the pattern. I can talk to myself positively if I choose to. And a lot of people never come to that awakening. And so they're just, their minds run by these, these bogus thoughts. And uh, I used to have very little self-esteem. Um, I'm a college dropout. I was a former cook at McDonald's, and now I'm an elite world-class trainer. Well, how do you get the confidence as a college dropout to become a, an elite world-class trainer? I changed the pattern in my thinking. Same thing that you're describing and it's amazing when you can start influencing your own thoughts and discover really what a champion we all are when we really come to that realization, if you do come to that realization of, of what we can contribute to the world. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't it go back to gamifying things when you when you realize that you're playing games with yourself and in, in the if there's negative self talk and all of that kind of stuff and sales aren't going well, your website's just not pulling like it should. The funnel you just built isn't working the way you thought. Uh, a lot of that, it seems like people can take that personally too. Like, well, it wasn't meant to be because of that loser talk that I got or whatever that pattern that we all have, no matter what, there's a good or a bad one. There's a pattern of some kind from our childhood all the way up. Whatever that's telling us and kind of it kind of fights people from taking that next step. Fix your funnel or reach out again anyway because you never know. I mean, I've done that before. I'm like, I just reached out again anyway so many times, and that next call or that next person I talked to was the one, and I was just about to not do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, sometimes, and, and a lot of people would say, or at least I mistook their advice to say, um, you know, 
do it anyway, fight through it, it, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, it's not worth it. I don't want to be doing this if I have to fight all the time. But there are times that I have just said, you know what, screw it. I'm going to pick up the phone, and I'm not going to go through a whole bunch of positive self-talk or anything else. I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do what I do, and um, I'm just going to pretend like I don't care this time. That's what I've always told myself. It's like I'm going to pretend like I don't care. Like like those mm-hmm. other people I see that I imagine it's really easy for them and that they don't really don't care about the particular outcome of this particular call. They're just going to do it because they need to do it. It's what they want to do, and they see their goals ahead of them, and this is what's in the way or what needs to happen next for them. So sometimes I've done it with brute force. I know that's probably not the healthiest way to do it, right? <laughs> well, I think it comes down to, you know, what you really want. Um, the reason I call it a dropout is I quit. I came up against a little adversity. I got knocked down, and I'm like, I'm out. But one of the things Les Brown teaches, knock me down seven times, get up eight. And so in the scenario that you're describing or what I've chosen to do with my business is, you knock me down, I'm going to spring right back up. But I didn't want it bad enough for my for my college but I wanted it bad enough for my business. So, you know, something, some adversity comes up, and now I have the motivation to come up against, well, I'm going to call no matter what they think, and I'm going to push through this somehow, some way, because the why is strong enough. And so if you can really lock yeah. in on what you really want, that's going to give you the motivation to, it, to handle the adversity that you're coming up against. For any of you out there that are big dreamers like we are, if you've got a dream, I want to encourage you to have that get knocked down seven times, get up eight, you know, don't give up. Even There's times I feel like giving up, but I didn't because I just wanted it bad enough. And you're one click away from a breakthrough. For all of you that are listening right now, this could be that next business relationship that opens up that door. And you got to just keep going and keep going. And then once you find that breakthrough, you're so glad. Oh, I'm so glad I stuck this thing out because I finally – not the success that I was achieving, that I was seeking. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, are old enough to remember the biosphere years very clearly, but the the biosphere stuff was really instructive for me. And one particular story that they told, they found out millions of different things about creating an artificial miniature earth and under glass in the desert in Arizona. One thing that really stuck out to me is that they had these palm trees that grew up really fast. They had all the sun and nutrients they could possibly want, and they grew straight to the top of of the biosphere, which was a very tall thing. And they were like, wow, look at these things. They're very healthy. And one day they came in, and the things were laying over on their sides. They had gone to mush. Like the trunks were really, really fragile and mushy. They didn't break apart. They mushed down. And so they were laying pretty much on their sides, and the scientists were like, what the heck? And they figured out that, one of the things that the biosphere didn't account for was wind. These trees had grown completely straight up and never strengthened their fibers like trees typically do by being torn and ripped around as they grow in wind, wind storms and gentle breezes and everything else, which I equate to adversity for us. Like we could go really, really far on just youth, vigor and all that kind of stuff and then just wilt over like those palm trees they eventually had to put cables on them and hold them to the top of the building because they could never replicate the wind that these things are used to grow and grow strong in this building that they were in so it was one of the failures and but it was one of the most instructive things for me of the whole experiment because it has such a, a tie to 
our lives, not tuning into the same radio station, like you said, and not being too comfortable, not being too easy, you know, living the good life too much, I think is probably a problem, isn't it? It takes your predator senses away. Well, I had an experience in uh, 2003. I was 32 years old, and I had a staff of 20 employees. And I was on track for my first million-dollar year. I was just knocking it out of the park. And one of my guys that worked for me decided he wanted to go start his own training company, which is you know, somewhat common. People get confident. They want to do their own business. Well, he ended up recruiting away my core talent, and they went with him. And I had to let go of all the other staff because I lost all my sales talent. And I went from a staff of 20 down to a staff of one person in 30 days. And the gentleman that, that left to start the own company was somebody I had personally mentored. So I was dealing with the feelings of betrayal. And then I was you know, financially devastated. And all of it happened so quickly and looking back on it, although it was one of the most painful experiences of my life, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life because of what you're describing. Like, I went into hurricane-like conditions, yeah. and my roots stayed in the ground, and it was like, dang, that was rough. But once I got through it, I was like, okay, well, now I know I, now I, know I can survive a hurricane. And so it gave me this emotional muscle. So it's like I I um I have a mental toughness, not because I read in a book, because I lived to survive that one, and uh, it's to your exact point, and that just gave me so much strength. Yeah, it's a wonder to me why people, um, it has been in the past, people who have gotten really successful, and then they they decide to enjoy the fruits of their labor, so they go on vacation, or they do something a little bit more lengthy than a two-week vacation and they um, maybe sail around the Cape or something like that. They do something and they come back with reflections of, I, it really got hard. And I'm like, what do you mean? You were sitting on your butt on the beach and you were, you know, uh, drinking Mai Tais and stuff. Isn't that what everybody always says? That that's, you've done it. This is your reward. You should be, and they get, the people who, worked really, really hard to get there, don't know what to do with themselves if they're doing something that's too aimless, just sitting on the yeah. beach. Okay, I took the picture of my feet, which is pointing toward the ocean, obligatory, and I put it up on Facebook, and now I'm bored to death, and I'm also scared a little bit. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't have a purpose. And they go through that, like, quickly. I love to watch people's vacation reports because the really successful ones go through that whole cycle very quickly. They don't have to actually take a really long vacation before they start yeah. getting antsy. And do you think it's kind of like I can handle about four days? They need to, four days. Yeah, four days of vacation. I'm just like, ah, well, I need to get back to my purpose. Crazy. It's nuts. I, 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 I try to challenge that, but I haven't really gotten to it. I'm going to need a little bit more than most people, uh, or or some like you. I'm going to need more than four days, uh, usually, before I start getting antsy. <laughs> But I do throw challenge. I found that I throw challenges in front of myself. So I will, you know, do a hike or a climb or something that's really, you know, not vacation-like. Like, I'm sweating, I'm hurting, and I'm also maybe a little fearful. I'm stretching my boundaries on something that makes me nervous, you know. Um, and maybe that's my way of having some sort of control over that, that I need that. I need that 
that building exercise or some sort of building exercise, if it's not the business and and sales and everything else, it's got to be something. So I'll go further out in the ocean, a little scary distance and and swim back or whatever. Maybe that's what that is. Maybe I'm not uh, reporting back to Facebook that I'm bored to tears because I don't. I never do that. But uh, I also don't tell people about the challenges that I give myself while I'm on vacation. And it makes it feel a little bit more like home <laughs> in a weird way. And vacation for a producer, I mean, it's such a, it's such a totally different space, you know, because like a typical day for me, I might have you know, four appointments, eight appointments. I've got four kids, ages 11 to 16. So my downtime is me being Uber and <laughs> driving my kids around or whatever they need. And so... I have very little downtime at this stage of my life going to business with my kids. And then you go on vacation and it's just like, you know, no appointments. And it's just a whole different space. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe when I evolve a little more, I get a little older and the kids are going off to college or whatnot, I can, can do that seven day or 10 day or two week or 30 day vacation and enjoy it. But I think it's just such a radical shift in the daily pattern that, uh, yeah. You know, just it's like geared for, for, for producing right now in my life. Yeah. Yeah, it is really strange. I was I was just also thinking about websites and <laughs> I think about those a lot over the last twenty years. But uh, you know, I've got a lot of them out there now and I have a lot of colleagues who have a lot more of them out there now. So these are all little sales guys out there supposedly right that's what we all that's how we sold everybody else websites and coaching consulting for all those years billions and billions of yep. dollars worth of it uh and so now all of these in the first time in the internet history just this number whatever that big gargantuan number is of websites are all out there those little sales guys and what i'm looking at when i look at i, I still have things out there because i don't want to take them down but i'm not really actively doing anything with them and i've noticed that there's nothing really going on I'm getting search traffic from buyer keywords. People are actually with intent looking for stuff on some of my sites. But without me there, I've noticed that nothing really happens. And there's really good sales material there. There's really all the components of a good funnel are in place in some of those, on some of those sites. And they're getting really actual good traffic um, you know, not very much of it all at once, but sporadically, verifiably good traffic. And without me there, without the person there, and what I was doing when it was really killing it, which was being there and having, uh, you know, doing lives and webinars and stuff like that, they just sit there. There's really good products there. There's really good stuff, and I just haven't been paying attention to them. And I'm wondering what you think about that whole the idea that you can come on the internet in 2000, it was a really big deal. All of these introverts could make sales. They could be salesmen like you, and but they consider themselves introverts. That's what the promise was. They, they could put up a website and it would do all the work. It would talk to people because I don't like to talk to people. And it would do all of this stuff. An autoresponder would follow up with people. And, and, and I think that really led people down a dangerous path of because when that doesn't work, they really don't have anywhere else to go. And the people who are more outgoing and willing to put the, take the risk of getting on camera and doing video and connecting with people, talking to people, they're the ones who succeed and, and, and have a lot more going on, or at least apparently they do. And I'm just looking at my inventory of older sites and going, that's totally true. I'm not there anymore. I'm not really there. I'm not engaging with people. I wonder how much all of this was really 
me thinking the website was doing a bunch of work, my funnel and everything else, but really truly it was taking the pressure off of me. So, but it was really me. How much do you think the, the personality and the engagement and everything has to do with it nowadays as opposed to in the beginning when everybody's like, oh, he's really talking to me through his autoresponder. He knows my name. It's Jack. He says, hi, Jack. And people, you know, not fell for it, but they did in the beginning. And then everybody became wise about that. And then so at some point you have to step out behind that stuff and say, here I am, I'm Jack. And I want to shake your hand and say hi and serve you in some way. Yeah. Well, you being in the, um, the, the way you're describing things, you know, you're probably familiar with Russell Brunson with ClickFunnels, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Russell's a guy, that's, you know, his whole world is all about the automation and so forth. But I think a big part of the secret sauce, it's, it's his inner. Yeah. You know, it's him, you know, I, I've had some engagement with him through the years, and, you know, we're in a similar age and, you know, kind of come up through the ranks together. And it's it's his energy, and, yeah, it's the automation too. But, um, you know, when when we put our energy behind something, I know for me, and I have all kinds of automation out there as well, but when, like, pick my sprint group, which we started the conversation on, I think the reason why my sprint group is working is I am more engaged in our private Facebook group than any Facebook group I've ever been in in my life. And I did this video the other day. I was at the airport, and I was doing my uh, push-ups. I was doing my push-up challenge. I'm gamifying my fitness with my push-ups, and uh, my plane got delayed. So I'm at the airport, and the only way for me to get my push-ups in, <laughs> i got to do the push-ups on the ground at the airport, like in the lobby there. And so I'm looking around, and I don't have my gym clothes on or anything. And I, I did it, and I used this as an example to inspire my group. So I set the camera up to, like, I created, like, a little tripod kind of thing, and I hit, hit record, and I started doing the push-ups. And then I uploaded it into the group. And I said, guys, I'm committed to achieving my, my fitness goal, which is I'm um, I'm measuring with push-ups. The only way for me to do it was to just drop to the ground and do it here in the airport. And some people said, wow, that really inspired me because of I got all these excuses for why I don't do things and blah, 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 blah. Here you are, the leader of the group, and you're doing push-ups in your non-gym outfit in the airport. And it gave an energy. And then that's what people were connecting with. And, yeah, it's Facebook, but it was my energy. And so, you know, when we're doing things like online funnels or – you know, a, a blog talk show like this, but when we put our own energy behind making it successful, I think people feel that. And when our energy is oh, yeah. there, I think they feel that as well. And, you know, I think that that's definitely a big part of it, of uh, the success of it. People can sense when they're in a ghost town. It looks, I mean, on the surface, it looks like everything's in place, but there's just something missing because I cross-reference everything. If I'm seeing somebody talk about something, I'm always looking for dates. Dates are crucially mm-hmm. important. I hate blogs that have decided to take dates off of off of their stuff. I have a couple yeah. of those, but I but personally I hate that because I don't know when the last piece of energy from a real human being was injected into this material. And I rely on I think a lot of people must be like that. They'll maybe go check on Facebook. Okay, you got a Facebook page. I click on that stuff and I go and see when your last post was. And if it's too long ago, I don't care what you're selling. I'm gone. I just 
And and it's like, wow, I hate it when people do that to me, but I did it to myself because I didn't update enough or I didn't go out and put any energy out there to deserve their engagement, their attention. And sometimes I'd find myself getting mad at people. Why can't they just pay attention? I've got good stuff to talk about. And who cares when I said it? It's evergreen and all of that kind of stuff. But really, we're in the engagement economy now, aren't we? Yeah, and you can expand that out to your own family. You know, am I showing up for my kids? Am I showing up for my wife? Like, does my wife feel me? You know, energetically, does she feel me? Or am I checked out? And if you have employees and you're listening, you know, if you have a boss, is your boss checked out or is your boss energetically there? With my own team, we do a huddle every morning. It's 15 minutes. It's a conference call because I have a virtual team. And we all gather for 15 minutes. And I do it with my team. Me personally, four days a week, almost everyone. I'm the leader. And I want them to feel me energetically so they don't feel I'm, I'm checked out. And ever since I started doing that, it makes a huge, huge difference. And so it's it's from a leverage standpoint, you know, where are you putting your energy and are there key areas of your life where you're not putting energy in? You're like, oh, I'm not getting the results I want, but yeah, I'm not putting the energy in either. So we make that right. little pivot, you know, when we, and we bring the energy, you know, so yeah. Yep. So let's, uh, give us a little bit more of a taste of what it's like to be in your group. Uh, just so people can, not just to like sell your group or anything, but to just give people an idea of what it's like to be in something like that. If people are out there trying to do too much on their own, they've become a little, and in our business, it's very, very easy to become a recluse and let your fingernails grow and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> you know, and, and, and yeah. not be out with enough people. What kinds of results are you getting? Are you seeing with your group just for the very purpose that you have a group in the first place that's active? Yeah. Well, just two real quick stories. I've got a gal who works for Wells Fargo mortgage She's been there for two years, and she reported that last week was the most productive week she had had working for Wells in two years. So that spanned about 100 weeks of production. I had another gentleman who reached out, did uh, 30 prospecting outreaches to build his business. He's a marketing consultant. He said that's more prospecting outreach than he, that he's done in any time that he could recently remember. I finally got myself to get on my fitness routine by gamifying it and um, put my group to the side, just groups in general. If you're in an active group, if you look at um, 12-step programs, you know, what are 12-step programs, whether it's for alcohol addiction or any any of the other addictions, it's a group dynamic to help you create the results you want. Look at Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig. It's a group dynamic. And so, if you're wanting to create results in an area of your life and, and there's a group where you're all there bonded around the same thing, and in our case, we're bonded around creating better results. We're sprinting. We have the Facebook group. We gather in a, a weekly webinar. I have a weekly audio message. And then we do a couple of coaching sessions one-on-one -on -one a month. So that's what we do with that particular group. And everybody's there with the same intention. Create the best results right. you can between now and the end of the year. So everybody has the same deadline. We're all there for the same purpose. And so I think that's why it's working. And when you get buy-in and you have, you know, an engaged leader, I'm very engaged with this group. And so, you know, you can form your own group. You can look out there and a group in an area of your life that you want to improve in. And then you get to learn from each other. You get to watch what other yeah. people are doing. You have accountability. You get to be a cheerleader for them. They get to be a cheerleader for you. So groups are 
groups are huge. Well, my biggest mistake in a good portion of my life was looking at groups and going, I know what the 12-step program is. I don't know why people fall for that stuff. I thought it was a trick. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was paying attention to the 12 steps or Weight Watchers. I'd, I'd watch my mom all through the 80s and 90s go to Weight Watchers. I would watch her succeed with it too, but I would still consider it some sort of a – everybody knows what Weight Watchers is. They give you points, and you can eat whatever you want, but once you go over your points, you, I could do that on my own. I can do a 12-step mm -hmm. program on my own, I always said, and I was completely missing the point. It was never the point to, you know – uh, join a push-up challenge and do so many push-ups within so many months or any of that stuff. I can do that on my own? Sure. I, I already know. They told me right at the outset, our group does this, and and here is exactly what we do. There's nothing held back. You don't have to join the group to find out some crazy formula uh, that some guy on the top of a mountain came up with after meditating for 16 days and eating yak milk. It's right here. This is what we do. And I was never paying attention to the group effect, the dynamics of being in a group and how powerful that could be. And once I did realize that, I was joining groups right and left. I understood then that it was the human dynamic and it was the interaction and the accountability that somebody's actually looking at you either succeed or fail. I didn't get all of that for so long. And I wish I would have, uh, you know, heard a radio show or something <laughs> that would have turned me on to that because I thought I was the only person in the world that knew what was going on, and I was actually the one who didn't. Yeah, and to your point, like using the, the Facebook group as an example, if somebody in the sprint posts today and they say, I haven't prospected the whole sprint, but today for the first time I reached out to 10 people. Well, we're all going to be like, yay, great job. Well, if you just post that on random Facebook, nobody's going to care. <laughs> what are yeah. you talking about? You reached out to 10 people. And so there's, there's, this different, there's this different dynamic, and there's relationship, and there's community, and there's times when I'm there for the group, or there's times that the group's there for me. And so it is a really interesting way of creating fellowship, community, greater reasons, you know, whatever the, the purpose um, of the group is. And you can make great friendships. You can bond with people. So, you know, I'm a big fan of the group. And when you asked me at the beginning of the interview, like, what are you lit up about? Like, I'm like so, so fired up about this sprint because it's just fun. It's fun watching You're people. thinking about them right now. You're thinking about the yeah. people in your group right now. You're thinking about yeah. what you're going to say to them next. I mean, you're engaged with them even though you're on this show you're still engaged yep. with your group. You guys are all on the same yeah. mission. You've got the expectations are set. You've all agreed that you're all you're all all in, and they're probably all thinking about it too right now. No matter where everybody yeah. is in the group, you're still connected right this moment, which I think is bordering on magical because it's helping each everybody's getting so much out of that kind of thing, right? Yeah, and nowadays with technology, you know, it's so easy to stay connected with people. When, you know, like somebody goes into the Facebook, they do a Facebook Live inside of the group. And they're like, hey, here's what I did today. And then, you know, we're all cheerleading for them or we're doing a webinar together or I'm recording an audio piece of content. We're sending it out via email. And it's just amazing what we can do with technology now. You know, just like how you and I are connecting right now, the three of us on this, on this blog talk show, and we're, you know, wherever we are in the world, but we're all, we're connected. It's like we were in my living room or your living room right now. It's, it's amazing. There might be a time in the future 
this is a little sci-fi, but there, where we'll laugh and chuckle about how we needed something like a Facebook or a telephone or anything to be connected. Because at that point, we will have transcended the whole need for that little middleman of technology and just do it directly. Yeah. Maybe we, we should start a movie script. Uh, just, you yeah, know, real quick, before the show's over, we'll, we'll write this thing real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Awesome. So uh, let's remind everybody where your group is, because now I think everybody's really interested in yours in particular, uh, and how they can find out more information uh, about what it is that you're doing and what you're up to with all your peeps. Yeah, so one thing, my main website is uh, saleschampion.com, and any other website out there, we have all kinds of free stuff that we uh, that we give away, and that'll put you into the autoresponder. But if any of you want to personally connect with me, um, just send me a text. Uh, my cell phone's 916-626-1945, 916-626-1945. And either I can talk with you one-on-one or somebody from my team can about any ways that we might be able to help you. If you're international and the text doesn't work, you can email me, my personal email, eric at ericoffhome.com, uh, eric at ericoffhome.com. And I'm on just about any major social media so you can follow me, add me, whatever, communicate with me through Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever your favorite platform is. I'm very accessible, so if something I shared inspires you to want to reach out, you know, I'd be happy to uh, connect with you and um, you know, see if, see if uh, m- myself or my company may be able to help you. Now tell the person who's absolutely thinking right now, listening to this, you're nuts for giving out your phone number. You're nuts for being so available. Tell them what your philosophy is for what you just shared. Yeah, sometimes people, like, I'll email my database. I have a 15,000-person email list, and I'll go, store my cell phone in your phone. <laughs> That's the subject line, right? Hi, Derek here. Store my number, number I gave all of you, under Coach Eric in your cell phone. You need to reach me, reach me. Well, here's what I find. People don't typically reach out to me unless they have a sincere reason to. I mean, you think you'd give the email out to, or the, the uh, cell phone to all these people and your phone would be ringing off the hook, and I've given it out to you know, 50,000 people probably through the years, and I don't get weird texts and weird phone calls. People just, if they need to reach me, they reach out. And sometimes they have a question, and sometimes they, you know, hey, tell me more about this, or they've got a speaking opportunity, or they just want to say, hi, hey, I listened to your, your blog talk show, and it really inspired me. Thank you. And so – you know, people respond in patterns. And in giving my cell phone out, I've, I've never, like, had any problem at all. And just people that have a sincere interest in reaching out, reach out. And if you feel compelled to reach out, like, just send me a text. I'd be happy to receive it. That's great. Well, I want to ask if you do that all, you don't want to call on your number. And then all the marketers now have cell phone numbers. I don't know how that happened. That was never supposed to happen. You know, it's just like having a home phone again where they just buy your number and, and call and things. It's not as bad as it got back then. But, it, it, you know, only the people you don't want to hear from are going to call you. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's just a real, weird little paradox. So I found the same thing. I've listened up on that a lot, although I still remind clients, careful what you wish for. There could be half and telling them to do it. I got to give them a little bit of a <laughs> disclaimer because, you know, Sometimes they'll get an out of the blue. But a lot of the people think that that's happened a lot. And I wanted you to share that because I know from my experience it doesn't. 
It really doesn't. And actually some really cool things that can only happen if you're that open will happen. And a lot of people only think about the negative of what could happen that would be bad, but they're not thinking at all of what could happen that would be really awesome. I got your number. It was really easy to do. And I have this thing. And uh, and they're saying that I would have maybe gone to somebody else who was, more, who was more accessible and you would have lost a sale, you would have lost a connection, a JV partner. So I encourage people to think both ways about that. I had a woman contact me yesterday and she was doing a challenge and they said, where do you want to be in a year? And she goes, I want to be on stages with international speakers. And that was the exercise. And they, so after she said where she wanted to be in a year, they said, okay, you have 24 hours to manifest that result. <laughs> so I get this text and she goes, her name's Monica. She goes, Eric, do you have a minute? I get on the phone with her and she goes, she tells me the story. I have to manifest some type of uh, opportunity with an international speaker in the next 24 hours. I want to start a podcast. Can I interview you? And within 15 minutes, we launched her podcast. That was her first interview. And it was like a huge breakthrough for her. And I, I think part of why she reached out to me is because she had my cell phone. And so it was like so cool yeah. that I got to help her create this experience that was like mind-blowing for her. Because when they said you need to manifest this in 24 hours, her brain's like, that's impossible. Or how am I going to do that? Or and then I helped her do it. It was just so cool. And, and had I not been open, you know, I probably wouldn't have gotten the call to help her. And so um, just through, I'm not advising all of you to just put your cell phone out everywhere. you got to be smart about it and think it through. But just for me and my brand and my business, um, I have found being open and accessible does work for me. But that doesn't mean you should be that open. I mean, you got to really think it through and what what's appropriate for you and your brand and I don't know different concerns that you may have. So just be smart about it. And, um, that, that, that that's what I'll say about that. Yeah. I like the I'm going to jump in for just one minute along the same lines. Since I was in the third grade, I've wanted to be in the academic world. The only reason I went to law school in the first place was because I wanted to be a law school professor. But then my life happened, and I ended up getting into a car accident, which meant I couldn't go off to take the job at Notre Dame. Fast forward to this year, and all of a sudden, someone reaches out on LinkedIn, and I'm really bad about keeping up with my LinkedIn messages. That day, I happened to look, and it's someone from DePaul University. She's in the alumni program, just checking in to see how I'd use my degree. To make a long story short, it finally caught up with me and I manifested a role working at DePaul University, heading up a pilot coaching program, which is so much better than what I thought I wanted in the first place. And it really happened as a result of all of the personal growth work I've done the last two and a half years. So. I knew that right? story, and I still get chills because <laughs> it's really fresh, too. This really is unraveling right now, actually. It's not something in the past. It's still going. I mean, you're still setting this all up. It's still happening right now. Yep, we got a call with them in about an hour. So <laughs> try it, guys. It awesome. really does work. Thank you Eric, so much, Eric, favorites. for being here today. Yes, thank you very much. It was, it's really been great to talk to you, and we've got to have you back. Yeah, I'd love to come back, and I greatly appreciate the invitation, and it was a very stimulating 
fantastic conversation. You're a great interviewer, so I appreciate uh, all that you shared and all the great questions you asked for your listeners. Thank you. And we'll be back same time, same place next week. Have a great week, everybody. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.